we all have a choice to live a vision-driven life, regardless of what your circumstances are, so you can live an epic life. Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 599. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I'm so happy to have you here today. And I'm thrilled to introduce my friend, Nada Hogan. Nada is an acupuncturist, transformational life coach, and host of Dare a New Belief podcast. But Nada, I'm so happy that you're here to join me today. It's taken me long enough to get you here. Not your fault, mine, but I'm so happy to have you here. Well, it's my honor to be here, Kim. I'm thrilled to spend this time with you. One of the reasons why I love working with you is because I've seen it in myself and I don't, that could come out really like stuffy and conceited, but I don't mean it that way at all, that it's our life experiences, which get us to where we are today. I think growing up and maybe you were the same way. I always thought I had a life plan. This is how it's going to be. You know, I'm going to do step A, then I'm going to do step B. And in 30 years, this is what my life's going to be. Were you the same way? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. But within like three years of graduating college, my whole plan was scrapped. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we had a baby unexpectedly. And then living in New York City, I had no idea how much daycare costs. And I wasn't prepared to find out that early. So everything just got turned upside down in the most amazing way. But now here we are. What has your life journey been? And I mean, not the whole thing, you know what I mean, but how did you get here? Well, you know, it's interesting, Kim, because as you are saying that, how your whole life just got turned upside down. When I married my husband 23 years ago, my second husband, I had two children from a previous relationship, married my second husband, we moved to the Midwest, and it was that perfect relationship where people just hated to be around us because it was so wonderful. And then when we moved out to the Midwest, I'm from Montana. So moving out to the Midwest was so different for me. And I did not acclimate very well. And you could start to see our relationships start to deteriorate. And just slowly, 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 things were just progressively getting a little bit more disconnected, but you're busy raising kids and that's your focus. So as life is going on, my relationship is falling apart. My 16-year-old son had started to really go down a bad path with drugs and alcohol. And my 18-year-old daughter was killed in a car accident that was no fault of her own. A man had ran a red light. And so everything in my world came to a screeching halt. I thought that I was at my wit's end with my husband and I having such a a poor relationship. And I knew that I kind of assumed that we were going to get a divorce just because we were not doing well. And my son would be graduating high school in two, well, after my daughter's car accident in one year, he would be graduating high school. And then what would be my purpose? I mean, my kids would be raised. They had talked about getting an apartment and moving out together. And I was going to stay in a place where I wasn't really happy 
And Rice was just like, oh my God, I'm, I'm at a dead end and what am I going to do? And then my daughter's car accident happened and everything then really got flipped upside down. And um, amazingly, things changed. I never knew that this was a thing. There's post-traumatic stress after, after an incident and there's post-traumatic growth. And I just learned about this yesterday. And apparently that is what happened. I never knew a name for it, post-traumatic growth. But things started shifting and changing in my life, in my husband's life, and in my son's life that you never could have predicted or anticipated that came out of my daughter's passing, which was incredibly curious to me. I have goosebumps. I had never heard of post-traumatic growth. But it makes it... I mean, it's the beauty that comes out of the ashes. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yes. Mm, Yeah. Okay. This is not related to Dara's death, but you sort of got me curious when you said that the Midwest was so different from Montana. And I guess I had never thought about it before. I moved to the Midwest from New York City. And that that's a stark difference, but... And I know this is just a random question to be asking, but what's the difference? I mean, I think of Montana with being a big open land and not very many people, but I've never been there, so I could be totally wrong. But what were the (laughs) biggest differences that you saw? Yeah, and it is. Montana is big and open land. and But the biggest differences were, I really do think that the West is friendlier. And I don't mean that bad towards people who live in the Midwest. And and granted, I only live in Minnesota, so I only can speak for this area, but I could not make a friend. And I always made friends. I was friends with the daycare workers. I was friends with my coworkers. I was friends with my neighbors. And when we moved out here, we actually live out in the country. So I really don't have any neighbors that are close. So that I understand, you know, why I didn't get close to neighbors. But I really had a hard time acclimating here. It just felt like I was always the outsider. And that was so hard for me to take because I love being with people and I, I love sharing life events and, and you know, just the day in and out struggles that, you know, you're raising kids and somebody's bullying your child. And so you have another parent that you're talking to and you know, just the, just the stuff, the day-to-day stuff and having that support system. So it's colder than it was in Montana, if you can believe that. It's, it's colder here than Montana, and it's flat. So where we live, northern Minnesota is a little bit more hilly, but this area is really flat. And I never realized how much I longed for the mountains because I grew up right in the Rocky Mountains. Mm. So that was a huge difference, too. So that part wasn't good. And I think I really started taking that out on my husband because it's your fault. You should have told me what I was getting into. Well, right. That's, it's not his fault. It's my fault. I could have researched. I could have learned a little bit more about the area before I decided to move over here. And yeah, but it was, it was a stark difference in the two places. So yeah. It's crazy because a lot of those stark differences are very much the same as what I experienced between New York and, and Ohio. And it was really hard for me to, to acclimate in Ohio because a lot of the people, especially where I originally worked, it was my job that brought me out here. And where I live, a lot of these people have been together since elementary school. Yes. And 
they all know each other's kids' names. They all know the, all the teachers at the school. They know the mayor personally. I mean, I don't live in a huge town, but it's not a small town either. It's 40,000 people. But people knew the mayor. Like, the whole city council knew each other. So they're all having conversations, talking about people that they've known since elementary school, and I'm completely lost. And then they would be talking about tailgating at football games. And I'm assuming that they mean, like, NFL, but there's no NFL team around here. And they're talking about tailgating at the high school games. Like, that's a thing? <laughs> I didn't know that that people bring their grills and parents bring their beer to high school games. I mean, that was totally foreign to me. And they're all talking about the players like they're NFL stars. No, these are the high school kids. Like, oh, wow. But I found it really hard to get even recognition at work because I was the outsider. I was the New York City designer in a community of small town designers and my opinions just weren't accepted and I'm not trying to play the blame game. That's been a big realization for me in the last couple of years is I can go ahead and I can blame everybody else or I can look on the inside and see why things didn't work out. And also in New York, I mean, I was quite literally living on top of people open my door and there's a door right next to it. Whereas here, Nita, I don't know my neighbor's names. Oh, yeah, yeah. Somebody moves out of the neighborhood, a new family moves in. I mean, I can be in my office and they're moving in across the street and I never see it just because I'm not looking out the window. Whereas in New York, you hear every single bump. I don't miss that at all, by the way. Just saying. Yeah. I can't wait to get out into the country. But as entrepreneurs, we have to make that that decision to get out there. Following your daughter's death where did the changes begin well so you know I think the very first change and, and it's so because it's 11 years and I'm still putting all of these pieces together because I think for the first year you're just completely in shock and you don't this beautiful body just knows what to do to protect it and you just kind of go through the motions and in the second year you kind of start coming out of it and realizing what your new reality is but it still amazes me that after 11 years I'm still really putting these pieces together and and really understanding how what steps I took and how I got where I am and one of the biggest things is the day of the accident that the morgue had called and said you know you can come over and you know see your daughter she was a donor but you know you can come over and see your daughter you know before they you know, do whatever they do, you know, to, for her to be the donor. So I don't think they call it surgery, but however, they're removing tissue. And so as we're driving over there, it was my husband and my brother-in-law. And, you know, of course, everybody is crying and we're just stunned and in the state of shock. And, but I just kept looking up at the sky. This was in June. It was June 7th that the accident happened. And I kept saying, if you just popped your head out of the clouds right now, and told me you were okay, I will be okay, I can do this, but I need to see you just pop your head out of the clouds. And I didn't even know the significance of that until Dara's funeral, and I was speaking with a woman that I met from an exercise gym in in the town I live in, and her son had passed away probably eight years prior to Dara's passing. And they had come to the funeral, and I was saying to her, her name is Julie, and I was saying to Julie, you know, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I just know if Dara just would pop her head out of the clouds and say to me that she's okay, that I will be okay. 
And Julie looked to her daughter, who's now a grown, you know, probably in her early 20s, and looked to her and, and said, no, you know, that's exactly what happened after Brian's funeral. When we walked outside, we looked up into the sky, and here was a cloud that was shaped just like a fish. And that was Brian's favorite animal was a fish. A fish was always representative for him. Oh, my so gosh. It, yeah, yeah. So it, so these synchronicities, they're, they're just kept being these little synchronicities that added up to big synchronicities. And and I didn't know it at the time because you just don't know. You really can't connect the dots as you're going forward, right? It's always when you're looking backwards. And so little things would happen. The, the man that hit Dara was 59 years old. And in Minnesota, when there is a death by vehicle like that, vehicular homicide, you have to go to court. You don't have a choice. I mean, that's just how it is. And and so the first time that I saw this man, and, and you just go to court, you stand in front of the judge, the judge says, do you understand the charges that are charged against you? Then that person that's being charged with whatever that, that charge is says, yes, I understand. And that's it. And then you walk out the door. Well, I went there and out of the, to that court hearing, just you know, it was the very first thing that was going to happen. And now this is a year later. This is because it took a long time. He had, they had to do a blood toxicity report because he had toxic levels, lorazepam in his system. And so it took a long time for all of those toxicity reports to come back. So I caught him out of the corner of my eye when he was walking by. And this was the part that was the most amazing to me, Kim. And now a year has gone by and I was well aware of what was happening. I wasn't in that protected shock shell anymore. And this wave of forgiveness just washed over me. And, wow. and yeah, and it was not, and immediately I knew that was Dara. I knew that was Dara. And then if I backtrack and go back to, I don't know when I started saying it, you know, maybe a couple of weeks, maybe a month after the accident, but I would say, why him? Because I knew he was 59. Why him? And why Dara? And I don't even know where that question came from, but I always ask that question, why him? And why Dara? So when when he walked by and this, this wave of forgiveness just washed over me, immediately I knew that was Dara. So there was this instant connection that Physically, she's not here, but I have the strongest connection with her right now. So I know that energy of, of her is 100% absolutely here with me, with all of us. And then, oh, I just lost my train of thought. I wanted what I wanted to say on that. Shoot, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> Positive productivity. Oh. I have chronic brain farts. <laughs> That's right. I love it. So this was the thing. This is why I'm staying like 11 years and I'm still putting these pieces together because I was on another podcast and somebody was, you know, we were talking because this is my story, the epic life from epic loss that, you know, this, my life that was just crap that was falling apart. And, and you know, I felt like, oh, I'm the biggest victim in the world. I'm in this place and I can't make any friends and my husband and I, and it's all his fault. And my son is on a bad path. And if we lived in Montana, this wouldn't be happening and blah, blah, blah. Just all the crap that we say when we're in that victim state. So that to be able to turn all of that around from this beautiful blessing that my daughter gave all of us, not just me, all of us and her friends included also. But as I was 
saying all of that time, why him? His name is Bruce. Why Bruce and why Dara? Why those two? I just don't get it because literally within, if she would not, the light was red for her and the light had at an intersection, the light had just turned green. I mean, just turned green. And we know this because there were witnesses and it was 3.15 in the morning. So there's, you know, very few people around, not a ton of traffic, but there was enough witnesses around. She just barely had gotten into the intersection. So had she waited one second, you know, or gone one second sooner, right? It more than likely would not have happened. So it's all of this craziness. So as I'm talking to this other person on a podcast, it was like, oh my God, I just got it. I know exactly why it was him and why it was her. Because Dara was one of the most forgiving, passionate, loving, kind, considerate, let me love you underdog and you are not alone and it makes me want to cry. And and people would say to me, how did you raise such a beautiful girl? Because she's so kind and so loving and so understanding all the time. And I've always said from the beginning, I can take no credit from that. This is her. This is just how she came. So, you know, whether that's that old soul in her, I don't know. But that was just her. And then Bruce, when I when I got to meet him, because after, you know, in the court, we got to talk to him and he got to talk to us a little bit. And you just knew life had beaten him up. We found out during court that he had Asperger's, you know, and he was just so he just reminded me of a whipped puppy. And I thought and, and we got to forgive him and we got to say to him, we forgive you. And we've never hated you. But the way the court systems are, you can't share that information with that person. And that person can't share any any information to you. So he couldn't even say to his lawyer, would you please tell that family that I'm sorry? Because then you're admitting guilt. And the county attorney or uh, county prosecutor, I'm not that good with the law, couldn't tell his lawyer that we forgave him. So that poor man had to go an entire year carrying the that heaviness of knowing that he took somebody's life. And I don't know if he was that thinking like... That is so wrong. I like, know. Yeah. I mean, is there any say? Like, do you have any say? Or is it just the government's... Was it the government's decision if he was going to face future consequences, like go to jail or anything? Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. So all of that's the, is the government's decision on absolutely. There's no communication. You cannot even communicate through the lawyers like that, at at least in in their vehicular homicide, how this happened for us, no communication at all. And absolutely you can suggest to the judge what you think should have happened, but the judge ultimately has full control. And the thing that I love so much, I can't remember this judge's name offhand. She was a, a woman and we had asked her, please do not send him to jail because now he's 60 years old. Please do not send him to jail because it's not about punishment. It was an accident. He didn't mean for this thing to happen. And punishing him is not going to serve anybody. Would you? Will, I, and I understand there has to be some kind of consequence. So how about if he has to do community service and he's doing a, a, working in a soup kitchen or doing something where he's helping other people 
and he can just do that in honor of Dara instead of putting him in a in a jail cell and saying you bad person because it wasn't intentional and the judge granted that and she was so kind and I still remember her saying you have had no control in any of this and this is the one piece of control that I can give you and we will allow him to just do community service and he has to follow certain guidelines and if he breaks any of those guidelines then there would have to be jail time and and as it was he followed everything that he needed to follow so he never had to go to jail but the saddest part is a year later he had committed suicide oh my gosh and, and that's that was what we thought when he had the toxic levels of lorazepam in his system he wasn't taking that to get high the suspicion is that he had taken it in one town in apple valley and he only had to drive like maybe 10 to 15 miles to his home and that by the time he got home that medication would kick in and he could just peacefully fall asleep and end his life but unfortunately he had passed out at that stoplight and ran ran that red light so and the only reason that we found out that he committed suicide is because somebody and I I want to protect the people who told me that somebody who works in law enforcement called and said, you know, I can lose my job for telling you this, but mother to mother, I think you need to know because otherwise you're never going to find out about this. But that Bruce had committed suicide. And we do believe it's because of the car accident, because his brother, who was fully capacitated, had talked to the police because the police called the brother when they found Bruce. And they said, you know, did he leave a suicide note? Was he suicidal? You know, was there something, you know, do you have any idea why he would have taken his own life? And the brother Larry had said a year ago, he had killed a young, a young girl and he just could not forgive himself. So the beauty of Dara and us being able to forgive him and Dara, I know Dara forgave him. And that's what we said. Like, we know Dara's standing at the pearly gates. And when when Bruce walks in, she's like, come on in here and let me show you where everything's at. And, you know, over here we have the, the vistas and this is the lunchroom and this is, you know, whatever it looks like in heaven. And it just made sense. It made such complete sense that Bruce really got to feel forgiveness and love in a place where he may not have felt it you know, from somebody else. And so what a beautiful blessing that Dara gave us to be able to forgive him. Because I didn't, if you would have asked me, can you forgive him? The answer would have been no, 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 my God, no. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to kill him. No, it was the absolute complete opposite. The moment I saw him and the same exact thing for my husband, the moment he saw him, it was absolute complete forgiveness. I wanted to take a quick break from today's episode and ask you if you need to take a break from your business. Maybe you're working too many hours. Maybe you're trying to work on too many things. Maybe you have too many clients who just really aren't aligned with your greater purpose. If this sounds like you, I want to offer you an opportunity to join the Positive Productivity Pod, my monthly mentorship and coaching community. For only a dollar, you can jump in, get started, and enjoy 10 days in the community where you will meet so many awesome entrepreneurs, and then twice a month, you'll be able to hop on a live call with all of us and get the feedback that you need in that very moment for your business. 
If you're interested in starting today for only a dollar, head on over to thekimsutton.com forward slash pod to get started. Nate, I have to say that I never, until this conversation, the whole thought of vehicular manslaughter had never crossed my mind. I mean, here in my area of Ohio, we get ice and we don't have enough salt, right? So somebody could be going to work, hit that ice patch at a stoplight and due to no fault of their own, hit somebody else. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a pessimist here, but if we have the same type of laws, that's just like Bruce. I mean, but not, I mean, same, but different. It's no fault of their own. It's not like a murderer who, you know, picks up a gun knowing that they're going to go shoot somebody. This was completely just accidental. Coincidentally, I just want to share with you that in 2008, that was also my major life-changing experience. Nothing like yours. But I lost my job. And I was really mad. As I already shared with you, I was having trouble being accepted in the firm that I was working with. And it took me a good long while to forgive the people who fired me. Part of it, I had to put it out there. Part of it was my fault. I was trying to do too much, as <laughs> listeners of the podcast know. And you know, Nita, chronic idea disorder. I was trying to build a business on the side, and I was only sleeping a couple hours a night. So I, I had made mistakes. And my I was married to my first husband then. We had also gone through a lot. So there was a lot going out that was impacting my job and I ended up losing my job partially because of the economy, partially because I didn't deserve that job any longer, but it took me years to forgive my boss. And I ran into her at the grocery one day and it was after I had met my husband. Now it was after I had started the business and I realized in that moment that I had forgiven her because had I not lost my job, I would not be where I am today. I would not be talking to you today. Right. Right. It, yeah, it's amazing how that thing that feels so bad and we're thinking it, that just ruined my world. Oh, my God. Now what am I going to do can be one of the biggest blessings that ever shows up. So, yeah, what a beautiful gift to be fired. And that's not easy to say, but it's the truth. And you're living proof of that. I thanked my boss in the grocery when I ran into her and we both broke down right in the grocery store crying. Uh-huh. Like I thanked her because I, I told her if I hadn't lost my job, I wouldn't have met my husband and I wouldn't be doing what I did today. And I wouldn't have my kids, my three extra kids. Mm. That sounds sort of wrong. I didn't mean three extra. My my bonus children that we were not expecting ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh-huh. When she died, were you an acupuncturist then? No, no. Actually, probably three years prior to her accident, my dad, who still lived in Montana, had this, you're eating, plug your ears, had this chronic bout of diarrhea that came on out of nowhere, just completely out of nowhere. And they ran every Western medical test imaginable. And this went on from... Thanksgiving, all the way to Easter in April. All the medications, all the, you know, they tested for parasites and Crohn's and everything. There was nothing. So finally, somebody had suggested try acupuncture. And the God's honest truth, and I didn't know anything about acupuncture then. 
God's honest truth, one treatment of acupuncture, and within four days, five days, he was 100% back to functioning normal. Now, my dad was older, but super healthy. And he was 100% back to normal, no issues. And I thought, oh my God, I love that. That's magical. I want to be an acupuncturist. So I called the school. There's a school right here in Minnesota. I called to find out, and I have a background in occupational therapy. And so I thought, oh, it'll be six months, one year at the most. No problem. I can I can handle that. Nope, it's three years because it's a master's program. You have to have your undergraduate done, and then you have to go on and, and do this master's program. And I thought, there's no way I'm going to school for an additional three years. So I just forgot about it. I just let that go. Then after Dara's accident, some time had gone by, about nine months, and I kept thinking I need to do something to keep my mind completely focused and so occupied that I cannot fall off the deep end and and lose it. I mean, like completely lose it mentally. And being acupuncture just popped into my head. And it was probably two weeks before Dara's passing when she had said to me, when are you going to get a cool job again? Because at that time I was doing behind the wheel driving instructor. I was teaching kids how to drive. And they said, I'm a driving instructor. You don't think that's cool? She's like, no, that is not cool. Occupational therapy was cool. Driving instructor, not cool. So when acupuncture popped into my head, I immediately heard Dara say, that's cool. So I called the school, found out what I needed to do, and then signed up and and uh, put in my three years of time to get my acupuncture oriental medicine degree. I had no idea that acupuncture required degrees. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> had Dara not passed, do you think you would have still taken that path? No acupuncture. Nope, absolutely not. Honest to God. And my husband and I were just talking about this the other day because we're still together. Like I said, we were in this really bad place and I knew I was at a crossroads because Tommy only had one. Dara had graduated the year before and Tommy had one year left of school and he was, we, nobody knew if he was even going to graduate because he was in and out of school, in and out of trouble, in and out of living at home, moving over to a friend's and because he wouldn't follow our rules. So it's like, cool, I'll just go and live with this guy who has a, you know, parents are real lenient. And and I just knew that Dara and Tommy were going to move out. And, and I kept thinking, well, I'll probably just move back to Montana. And that's where their father is from, too. So they'll be, you know, they'll probably follow and stay in Montana. And, and that's fine with me. That's where my family is at. And what I was going to do, I have no idea, but I knew I did not have the wherewithal to go to school and study for three solid years. Because it's also the summer. It's not, you know, not just a nine-month school year. It's also throughout the summer. And there was no way. And I knew it was intense. So, no, I don't know where we would have ended up. But my suspicion would be that I would be back in Montana, probably having some kind of low-paying job, feeling like a victim, and uh, divorced. And my kids would, you know, it's hard to say what they would have chosen to do, but yeah, it was almost like that blessing from, from Dara. And I hope that doesn't sound to your listeners. I hope that doesn't sound like, oh, I'm so glad that, that this happened to you because that means my marriage got better and my son got better. That's not how I mean that at all. I absolutely, if, if she was here, if I knew everything that I know now, and I could have been infusing that and in, even into her life and my son's life. Oh, what a beautiful blessing that would have been. But it, it's being able to have that 
tragedy or that trauma and to be able to harvest the good from that because you can't undo what happened. You can't make that thing go away. So what is it that I can do that can make it better? How can I make it, how can I honor, for me, this is how it came across. How can I honor my daughter and carry her forward every day of my life? Mm -hmm. Because if I'm going to sit on the floor and fall into this mush puddle of tears and snot and because it's ugly cries, right? I mean, it's the nasty, ugly cries. How am I honoring her? And I could hear her say that to me. I had walked by her picture there. I just had family pictures on this one wall and I would walk by that. And one day I just heard her say, as I'm looking at her picture crying and I heard her say, if looking at your picture just causes you to cry and feel like this, then don't look at me until you can look at me and you can smile and feel happy. Mm. And I heard that loud and clear. And I didn't look at that at her pictures oh, for at least a month and maybe even longer than that because I just couldn't bring myself to, to not fall apart. And, I, and the message I got from her is, that's not what my life is about. Your focus is on my death. It has nothing to do with my life. Focus on my life. Focus on what we did. Focus on the joy that we had together and the wonderful stuff that happened while I was here on this planet. And eventually I was able to get to that point. And there's times that, you know, I'm, I'm not done with the grieving process. I don't think we're ever done with it. I think we always, it's not as raw. You learn to live with it. And there's still moments where I, I will just break down and start crying. And I can hear her saying, oh, my God, again, are you doing it again? <laughs> and I just start laughing. And it's like, oh, only for a minute. She's like, good, because I got stuff to do, lady. You know, get on with your life, because I got stuff that I'm doing up here in heaven. So that was my really long answer to tell you, no, it would not be the same path at all, Kim. I, I'm afraid to even think what that path would have been. Nina. I launched this podcast in October of 2016 and in July of 2016. Oh, and I had been recording since June. By the time I launched, I had about 40 episodes in the can. And a lot of those were launched before I had a complete meltdown in July of 2016. And I would have to say that I was recording in the blind. Positive productivity didn't, it sounded good to me, but I didn't know what it meant. And then I crashed because I was sleep deprived and I was giving yeses to everybody but myself. Mm. And I wanted to kill myself. And then I had my own big spiritual awakening. And it was out of those ashes that I figured out what my purpose is. But had I been giving myself yeses and passing out noes, like some of the big gurus say to do, and I'll come back to that in a second, then I wouldn't have had that crash and I wouldn't know my purpose or mm-hmm. my purpose would have been entirely different. I had a podcast a couple of weeks ago. And again, I've said this before, forgive me to the awesome guest. I just can't remember because there were a whole bunch of recorded, but the conversation was about harvesting purpose. Mm-hmm. And I had never thought about it that way before. Like we can think we know what our purpose is, When we're little kids, when we're teenagers, when we're fresh out of high school. But to me, there's no way in heck that we know what our purpose is until it hits us square in the face. What was your purpose before? And what would you say is your purpose now? 
Oh boy. Well, honest to God, my purpose before was just raising my kids. That literally was like, cause I didn't have, I didn't know what my purpose was. So my purpose was just raising my kids and right. And then I, I think sometimes us moms get ourselves into big trouble. Cause once those kids are grown up, well, now I don't have a purpose. So at now, now my purpose is, is to share this message of how you can truly live an epic life from an epic loss. So I specialize more in working with people who have lost a loved one and they're, they have come to terms with that loss, but now what do, now what's my purpose? Now what do I do? But I also work with people who are just stuck. I'm just stuck in life. And that was me. That was me when, when Dara's accident happened. Like, God, I wish I would have been somebody that fell out of the sky that said, oh my God, you can look at life so completely differently. You can do this differently and with love and joy and enthusiasm because I heard that all my life, that joy is a birthright. Living this beautiful life is a birthright. And it's like, well, I don't know where it's at. I don't see anybody doing it. It seems like it's a huge struggle. And so that now is my purpose. Just to be able to help people realize, and I don't care if it's in the grocery store, if it's just the clerk who's having such a horrible day and you can just, at at the grocery store, who's just sad or mad or whatever. And just, if you can just share that simple smile or tell them something that makes them feel good, like you just, you look so beautiful today. You don't look like very happy, but gosh, you're so beautiful or I love your outfit, whatever. Just so some, you can help somebody to feel a little bit better. That is my purpose. That and that brings me more life than anything else I think that I have ever done. I love that. And I love even just what you talked about with the grocery store clerk. Because mm. it takes no more time to say something nice than it takes to stand there scowling when you can't get through the line fast enough. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I don't know what my purpose is. I thought my purpose was to build marketing funnels and support my family, but I didn't put the pieces together of how the automation could just help us get away from our business and back into bed. And one of our mutual connections said, I don't know if you can use that expression (laughs) out of your business and back into bed. She's like, people might take that, you know, sexually. Well, yeah. Sure. You might have sex when you get back into bed. What what I mean is go to sleep. Go yeah. to sleep. Listeners, I was sharing with Nita that yesterday, we were actually supposed to record yesterday, but there was a storm that went through. My internet kept on shutting off. And I didn't share with Nita yesterday that I was actually just exhausted. I couldn't even put words together. I think I managed it for the five minutes that you and I were talking. <laughs> But I really couldn't put words together. And there's no reason. And this is what I said I would get back to. There are so many mentors out there who will say, just sacrifice an hour of sleep every night, build your business or, you know, just put in the extra effort. But sometimes it's not that way. I would have to say 99.9% of the time, you really just need to go take care of yourself. So going to the acupuncturist or going to bed or taking a bath or I've been actually binge watching little house on the prairie while building campaigns lately. I haven't really been watching it. I've been listening to it, but do you, whoever realized how many awesome life lessons there are in little house on the prairie? Oh yes, absolutely. There are so many. I haven't watched it really since I was single digits or low, you know, like a tween. 
Okay, I haven't yeah. watched it in that since then. And just like any Disney movie, there's a different lesson to be learned or just a different entertainment value as a child watching any of these shows or movies than when you circle back and watch them as an adult. And I, I found myself just staring at the TV with my mouth wide open with a, wow, I didn't catch that back then, but that was big. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think one of the things, and it seems to me that back in the day when life was so much harder, we didn't have the cars just to jump into a car and take off and, and, you know, we just turn on a switch and we have heat and we have lights. When things were harder and it was, you know, absolutely early to bed and early to rise because you had to work with nature and you had to work with the sun coming up and the sun going down. And unless you had enough lanterns to, to see a lot in your house, you shut your life down fairly easily, but you probably didn't just fall fast asleep. And there was time where you would talk with one another and you would get to know about each other and what was happening and, and what were your dreams and what are your fears? And not to the extent that, that we do it now, maybe, but it was so different that I think there was much more balance, even though the work was physically harder. I think there was much more balance in the work, play and leisure. Then now it just seems like with all the automation and all of the ways that we can stay connected in technology, that it's just work, 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 work until you drop. And it's like, no, there's nothing in nature that does that. If everything has to breathe and take a break and we have to be able to take care of ourselves, we have to be. So that whole thing about, yeah, just push through that other, that extra hour. It's like, mm, I'm not in agreement with that. I treat a lot of people in acupuncture that do do that and they're so stressed out that something's going to give and it's usually it's your health whether it's your mental health your spiritual health or your physical health something's got to give so yeah absolutely yeah so one of the biggest ahas to me this is just that week and this is going to sound like a sad excuse this is just that week when it, it can't really happen in my life but I was sitting there watching ma and pa sitting around the fire just talking yeah. And then I, I stare at my TV and I'm like, huh, when was the last time that we just sat around talking? Because they didn't have TV, radio, computer. I mean, they're talking. If they were going to interact, they didn't, you know, that's what they did. Paul playing his fiddle and they go outside. And sometimes I wonder, was the quality of life better back then than it is now? Right. Yes, we have modern technology and and medicine and more as far as that goes. But as far as social interactions, which would be better? Mm. Anyway, Nada, this has been such an incredible conversation. Listeners, I hope that you have a different perspective, maybe a better perspective on forgiveness now and how whatever you are going through in this present moment, this is just what you're going through now. And there's something better waiting for you tomorrow. But I would love to hear your comments. I know Nada would as well. So please head on over to thekimsutton.com forward slash PP599. Can you believe that? Episode 599. <laughs> and leave your comments below the show notes. And also go over to iTunes. If you're not already subscribed, please subscribe, like, comment on this podcast, Positive Productivity, as well as... Nita's podcast, Dare a New Belief. But Nita, where can people find you online, connect, get to know more, and work with you? So my website is natahogan.com. 
And my email is nada at nadaholgan.com. Easiest way. Oh, and I guess Facebook under Nada Hogan Coaching and Acupuncture. So, but email is probably the best. Well, you've heard me say it before, but if you are trying not to burn dinner, if you are driving, especially after listening to this episode, if you are driving, do not go right now. The show notes will be waiting for you with all of the links and how you can connect with Nada again at thekimsutton.com forward slash pp599. Nada, I just want to thank you so much again for being here. Do you have any parting pieces of advice or a golden nugget that you can offer to listeners? Absolutely. We all have a choice to live a vision-driven life, regardless of what your circumstances are, so you can live an epic life. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level. 